Hi everybody, my name is Michael Domingue and welcome to Strange Tales of Myth and Magic. In this podcast, we're going to explore mythology and magic and fairy tales and wives tales and maybe some snakes tales. We'll take a peek at some of the strange legends and stories throughout history and how they affected culture and how they affected me as an artist. So sit back and let me tell you a story. This week's episode... Davy Jones and Boat Cruises from Hell. Now, most of you are probably familiar with Davy Jones, and you're probably familiar with it mostly, I'm guessing, from the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean films. And, you know, if you recall, it's it's played by Bill Nighy, and he's got this amazing tentacly beard, you know, all these little octopus little tentacles swirling about. And I have to say, whoever conceived of that character and designed that character um, should win all the prizes in the world. That that was a, a bit of genius. I mean, just the character. And, and if you've never seen the film, Dead Man's Chest, um, you should, if for no other reason, to see Davy Jones and his fellow shipmates, you know, because they're all sort of human sea creature hybrids. And it's it's really amazing. Now, the thing is, in the, the film, uh, Davy Jones is this sort of cursed captain um, with his sort of motley crew of barnacly shipmates um, who float around in the Flying Dutchman. Well, the thing is, though, this is not really accurate to the actual legends of Davy Jones. In fact, there aren't really that many legends about Davy Jones. Um, So what they actually did with the Disney film is they actually sort of mushed some of the Davy Jones legends with a totally different story. And that would be The Flying Dutchman. Now, I'm going to get back to who Davy Jones is in a little bit, but but let me tell you the story of the Flying Dutchman. Um, So this would have been around the 1600s, end of 1600s, early 1700s, and it was fabled that this was a ship that belonged to the Dutch East India Company, and they were busy doing their Dutch East India Company things, and they had a captain named Hendrik Vanderdecken. Now, see now that's a good that's a good name. I, I'm Captain Heinrich Vanderdecken. Ah, see, kind of sounds like a villain already. Well, he was sort of a Captain Bly sort of guy. You know, he he was coming back home with his crew to Amsterdam, and he wanted to get there fast. And the fastest way to get there was to go around the Cape of Good Hope. Now, of course, going around the Capes can be a bit dicey, especially back then. But, but he was determined. And of course, storms and storms. And the crew's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Ah. And he's like, screw you. And he's Scottish now, I guess. But, but he's, you know, he's determined to, to get back to Amsterdam. Now, I came across one version in which there's actually a mutiny. And there's a rebel leader. And Vanderdecken kills him. Oh, you're not going to tell me what to do. Ah, he kills him and he keeps on course trying to go around the Cape. Now, in some variations of the story, um, Vanderdecken actually kind of makes an oath with the devil. He makes kind of a pact and he says, I'm going to travel around this thing if it takes me till doomsday. Ooh. 
Well, as you can imagine, you, you, you should know that if Satan's hanging around, you don't ever want to say such things because, you know, he'll take you at your word. And he did. So both Vanderdecken and the crew became ghosts traveling around on a ghost ship, cursed to float around the waters for all eternity. Now, there's lots of reports about seeing this ghost ship. I mean, not, not, not in legend, but sailors and naval officers are said to have seen this ghost ship. And if you get sight of this ghost ship, it meant trouble. Because the only time the Flying Dutchman is out floating around is when there's bad weather on the horizon. So if you caught a glimpse of this ghost ship, it means you're in for a mighty big storm. So what was it these sailors were actually seeing? So let's say that you don't believe in ghost ships. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But let's say you don't. Um, there's, there's actually a cool term for what these sailors were seeing, and it's called Fata Morgana, which is an Italian term. And those of you who are familiar with your Arthurian tales, tales of King Arthur, are familiar with Morgan Le Fay, who is kind of a, kind of a villainess-ish character in there. Um, but she's a fairy. And it's said that um, a mirage is basically like a, a fairy castle. It's like you would see in the distance this sort of fairy castle. Well, that term is used to describe these ghost ships, Fata Morgana. And so what they would see would be this mirage. Now, the cause of this mirage is basically, you know, just the weird way light bends. And so what happens is that if you're looking off to a horizon, it actually looks like something sort of floating in the air, sort of above the water. And you might have come across this type of thing, like if you're looking at a sunset, you know, and you see like this weird line on the horizon where, where the sun isn't exactly right. And that is a Fata Morgana. And so it's suspected that that is what led to some of these tales of the Flying Dutchman. Now, if you're an opera fan, it's um, very likely you are familiar with the opera Der Fliegende Holländer, which is Flying Dutchman. And this was uh, created by the composer Richard Wagner. Now, um, the story with this um, has a the main one of the main characters anyway, Daland, and um, he's a sea captain, a salty sea dog of sorts. And and he comes to comes to harbor and uh, starts to sort of shut down for the night. And all of a sudden, as he's sort of stepping off the boat and and, you know, his his shipmates are sort of fast asleep. Um, a mystical ship sort of cozies up next to his. Well, of course, this is the Flying Dutchman. And there are sort of magical things on board, you know, because, you know, Daland is looking on this, this magic ship and he sees the sails being pulled up, but, but invisibly. Well, and then all of a sudden, a, a pale character appears, all dressed in black in a black beard. And, um, Daland starts chit-chatting with him. And it turns out that this is, of course, um, a ghost. And this ghost is is lamenting to Daland, saying, Let me tell you a sad story. I am cursed. I can only come ashore every seven years. And I must do this for eternity until I find a woman who will be true to me, who will marry me and be true to me. And this is all because I made a deal with the devil. 
Well, Dolland is actually kind of intrigued because it just so happens that he has a daughter and, you know, she's, you know, she's not married. I mean, she's engaged, but she's not married. And the Dutch ghost then then basically tells Dolland that, that you know, hey, I, I have this chest full of riches. If you can hook me up, I will gladly give it to you. And, and Dolan's like, oh, you know, that's great. You know, so, so the, the two boats side by side set sail for Dolan's home. Now, meanwhile, um, back back home, Dolan's daughter, Senta, is um, it so happens that Dolan happens to have um, a portrait of the the famous flying Dutchman, the the Dutch captain, the Dutch ghost in his house um, it, just by happenstance. And and Senta's always been sort of romantically thinking about this portrait. Oh, who is you? Now, she has a boyfriend, Eric, who's a hunter, um, but he she seems a little bit, you know, sort of he with him. Well, then Dolland and um, the ghost, the ghost Dutchman, roll into town. They, you know, Dolland takes him to his home and introduces him to everybody. Now, now he he doesn't tell everybody that this is a ghost and this is the the famous captain of the Flying Dutchman. He doesn't mention any of that. I um, mean, it's just some stranger, some strange captain that he happened to meet. Now, Senta takes a look at this guy and goes, woo, this guy is hot. Now, I don't think she makes the connection that, you know, it's the same guy in the portrait that she'd been looking at. Um, but um, she's got the hots for him. She's like, you know, infatuated with him. And, and she barely even looks at her dad. She, You know, she's just like, dude, this guy is like, woo, he's a little pale, but woo. And, you know, Dolan's like, hey, you know, good news for you, daughter, because you're betrothed. You're engaged. I, I know. I didn't tell you, but what you are. He gave me some money. Well, well, fortunately for Senta, you know, she she likes the dude and, and she's like, OK, cool. And, you know, she promises her fidelity. And he's like, I will love you forever. Eric's feeling kind of shitty, um, you know, because he's like, hey, what about me? And then, you know. Senta sort of explains, you know, I'm just not into you, dude. Um, there's this cool captain. He dresses in black, dresses very cool. Uh, I'm sorry. And Eric, you know, goes on to sort of say how much he loves her and would always love her and all that sort of mumbo jumbo. Um, but the stranger, the ghost, the captain overhears this and, and he mistakes it for, you know, um, mutual love. So the ghost captain summoned his man and said, and we are going back to sea once again. And he's hanging his head low and he's very sad. And and he pulls Senta aside and goes, he, he tells her all about his curse and, and, you know, how he has to head back to sea and how disappointed he is. And, and he then tells her, I am the Flying Dutchman. Now, if this were a soap opera, there would be, you know, an organ music as he as he uttered that. And in response, she says, I know. And then there'd be organ music once again. Now, as the ship is about to set sail, um, Senta is, is on a cliff overlooking the frozen waters. And just as the ship departs, she leaps into the frosty waters, faithful to the death. Now, in some opera versions of this, um, you actually see um, the the two of them float off to heaven together, and of course, the 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 curse being lifted from the sad sea captain. Ah, true love. 
Now, who is Davy Jones in all of this? If you look into legend and lore, you know, who is Davy Jones? Well, if you look to SpongeBob for your answer, um, they actually feature Davy Jones' locker. And, of course, what what that is is actually a um, a gym locker um, that the the singer Davy Jones from the Monkees actually keeps his dirty dirty gym socks in. Um, now that's a different Davy Jones. That's that's different. Davy Jones locker um, at the bottom of the sea is different than that one. Um, the thing is, is that Davy Jones is doesn't really have a lot of stories associated with it. It's not like you have a story about Davy Jones and he does this and does that. No, he's usually a character that's referred to. In a way, he's kind of like a hybrid of death and the devil, except that Davy Jones has dominion exclusively over the sea. And if you die at sea, you'll go down to Davy Jones' locker, which is pretty much, you know, like a purgatory or, or even a hell, which makes sense because Davy Jones is, is often considered to be sort of um, in charge of the demons of the deep. And to be fair to SpongeBob, it, it could very well be that Davy Jones' locker is filled with gym socks from the the Monkees' lead singer. I mean, that might scare you into being a, a better sailor, and and definitely not want to die at sea in that case. Now, to look for a description of what Davy Jones looks like, I mean. It's said that Davy Jones can take the form of a squid or a whale or, or a whirlpool, a, a shark, hurricanes. Um, any of these forms can be Davy Jones. Now, those looking for a more definitive description of Davy Jones, um, basically, he's often described as having these big saucer eyes, these big, wide, crazy eyes and, and horns and, and a tail and three rows of teeth like a shark. And one of the cooler descriptions about Davy Jones is that he has this blue smoke that pours out of his nostrils. Now, the thing that always struck me about Davy Jones, though, is it's kind of an odd name. You know, it's like, well, of all the things to call sort of a, a devil from the deep, why something kind of normal sounding like Davy Jones? Why not like Captain Schmidlock von Meenestein or something like that? I mean, that would, you know, Davy Jones doesn't seem that intimidating. So it just seems kind of kind of interesting to me that for the name. Now, there might be some clues to where that name came from, though. One possible explanation is that it, it's sort of a variation of Duppy, sometimes called Duffy, which is a Caribbean, also African term that refers to a ghost or a malevolent spirit. And it might be that that got mixed in with Jonah. Now, Jonah, of course, being the biblical character who was um, swallowed up by a big fish or a big whale for three days and three nights and then came out all better. And so it could be that... Um, Duffy or Duffy Jonah um, was, you know, like the ghost of Jonah, you know, the, the cursed ghost of Jonah. Be careful of, of Duffy Jonah, which kind of sounds like Davy Jones, Duffy Jonah. So um, that could be. Now, another um, explanation of where the name came from that I heard was um, from a sailor um, named Duffy Jones. And Duffy Jones, um, uh, apparently um, had very bad eyesight and would often find himself overboard in the water. And that was sort of a, a Mr. Magoo of, of sailors. For me, perhaps one of the more interesting theories is that there was a pub, a, a, a bar in Britain um, that uh, 
had a, a bar owner who you know, it was a, sort of a, a typical dive bar. A lot of sailors would go there and it was dark and, and you know, candlelit. And you can imagine that it would have the big giant ale barrels in the back and perhaps, you know, people smoking pipes and, and maybe a hurdy-gurdy player, you know, in the background, which, by the way, a hurdy-gurdy, uh, those who don't know, is like a really cool instrument. It's sort of a mixture between like an organ grinder and like a sitar. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's kind of a crazy thing. Um, but you can imagine it's the scene is set. And, um, what would happen is that sailors would get really, really drunk in here. And when they'd get drunk, of course, they would pass out. And when they would pass out, legend has it, Davy Jones would store them in his ale locker. Hmm. Now, the next morning, he would probably throw them in a wheelbarrow, I'm guessing, and take the drunk sailors down to the shipyard, and he'd sell the passed-out sailors um, into servitude to unscrupulous ship owners. And when they woke up, they'd be hungover and in the middle of the sea. Ah, you definitely don't want to go to Davy Jones' locker. So you've probably heard the saying, um, between the devil and the deep blue sea, or betwixt the devil and the deep blue sea, which is basically an adage that refers to basically being stuck between a rock and a hard place. There are no good options. And this little adage um, has some interesting theories as to the source of it. Um, one is that it actually refers to um, a tale in the Odyssey in which Odysseus and his crew are sailing through this narrow strait. And on one side is Charybdis. And this is a sea monster that lives on, you know, one side of the strait and often is associated with sort of a big whirlpool. Um, so some sort of monster there. And then on the other side of the strait is Scylla, which is another monster that lives underneath the rocks on the other side. So, you know, sort of stuck between two places, between the devil and the deep blue sea. Now, this theory sounds okay. I, I don't quite buy it. I mean, it's, it, you know, it sort of makes sense and maybe it evolved that way. Um, but actually what seems to be the most, I don't know, convincing to me is that there's actually a seam on a ship um, called the Devil Seam. And it's where these planks meet up underneath the hull. And it's this long seam and very, very, very difficult, you know, to fill that seam with caulking. Now, just to let you know, there's actually a, a phrase, a nautical phrase that refers to, you know, filling in the seam called paying, you know, like you fill it in with caulking. So like devil to pay is, is said to be a reference to that filling in the devil seam. Now, apparently when you would try and, and fill this in, in open seas, needless to say, it was very difficult to do. And the poor sailor would be hanging off the, the side of the ship trying to fill this thing stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. Now, those of you who are familiar with my work, I might notice that a lot of my stuff has sort of a nautical quality. It, it seems to have sort of, you know, sort of nautical colors, a sort of bluish color, this sort of greenish blue color. And that's something that that I can't explain other than perhaps, you know, maybe I grew up near the water for, you know, a lot of my earlier years. And, you know, I remember used to sailing with my grandfather. And, and so the sea actually has a, a big fascination for me. But I actually have done a piece based on the concept of the devil and the deep blue sea. And as you would imagine, there's sort of a boat. And in one side, you see a little devil character. On the other side, you see a little death character. And the boat slightly rocks. 
Now, I've also done a lot of sort of weird sea creaturey things as well. I have this piece um, that was actually made from an old bellows. And in the center of it, there's sort of a lens, you know, almost like looking through a porthole. There's an eye peering through. And then on the side, sort of framing it in, are these tentacles. These images I'll, I'll have on, on my blog associated with this particular post. So you can check out and see what I'm talking about. That piece is called Full Fathom 5. I suspect some of my interest in the nautical tales and nautical imagery um, really come from, you know, stories like Jules Verne, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. But even some of the old maps, which would be riddled with all these crazy creatures and sea monsters and just mermaids and all this sort of weird stuff floating around the oceans, mostly because nobody really knew what sort of secrets were below the depths. You can only know so much. And for this reason, the sea is often a metaphor for death. I mean, especially back in the olden days, you know, back before scuba divers and deep sea divers and, and submarines, because below the surface is a mystery. Back then, you could only guess at what lurked below there. You had but hints. And for sailors, often, once you went in, you never came back out. Now, going back to the Pirates of the Caribbean film, there's a great scene in which Davy Jones is playing Liar's Dice, which, by the way, is, is really a fun game. They play it a little differently than, than I do. But basically, the idea is you try either to roll something really good or deceive people in believing that you rolled something really good. Now, the scene, I believe, is probably based on a scene in the Rime of the Ancient Mariner, which is a, a very, very long poem by Coleridge. And it is uh, about a cursed sailor, the Ancient Mariner, and he's cursed because he killed an albatross. And albatross are usually considered good luck on a ship. So that's like bad news. You don't want to do that. And, you know, it kind of goes on and different sort of curses. And regardless, he is cursed. And... Beneath the ship, death is in there and life in death is in there. Two different characters. So death is obviously death. Life in death is would be like a ghost, you know, so you'd be trapped living, but not really able to live. So the two of these characters, death and life and death, are, are rolling, rolling dice. And um, death is winning and death is and death is winning all these crewmates. And the only the only time Life in death, one, was the ancient mariner. So the ancient mariner is cursed to wander the earth, telling his story over and over and over. Hopefully, um, telling it to people so that they will be wiser. So let's sail south, south to Chile. And off the coast, there's an island called the island of Chiloé. And around this island, it's said that a ghost ship roams. Now, the ship is called the Caloeche, and, and this is said to actually be a, an entity of its own. It's said to be a sentient ship. It actually sort of thinks for itself. So apparently in this area, um, it's, it's often really quite foggy. And it's said during low tide and when the fog is dense, music can be heard from the waters. And this is said to be the Caloeche. 
As tales go, there's this music in it. It's like a, there's a party going on in the sea. It's sort of like a booze cruise floating around the water. And, and those who behold the Calaweche say it's a, this magical white ship floating around. Now, the legends have a few variations, as they often do. And one variation is that, you know, since the Calaweche is a sentient ship, uh, it actually is looking for a crew. So the music and the party is basically an enticement trying to bring ship folk on board and then eternally enslave them. Now, another legend has it that if you perish at sea, you'll become a part of the crew of, of this ghost ship. So let's say your ship sinks and you perish beneath the waves. Well, next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be greeted by a water spirit, Pinkoya, and his two sisters, the Serena Chilota, who are two mermaids. And then they will swim you to the Calueche. And there you will start your new job for all eternity and no pay. To me, one of the more interesting versions of this legend is that this boat is actually manned by Cholote warlocks. And these warlocks, who are apparently not the nicest of folks, um, are looking for dark, nasty favors from people. And in order to get that, they would have a party, they would lure ship folk on board, and then they'd make a deal, kind of like making a deal with the devil. And they'd make a deal and they'd offer these people riches and wealth and all this stuff in exchange for dark little deeds. Now, according to this legend, if you see the Calaweche and um, you'll say you're out there floating on your little sailboat doo, 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 and all of a sudden a big party booze cruise of warlocks comes by. Now, let's say you resist the temptation to go on board, which would be probably hard to do because it, it looks from your little dinghy. It looks like it'd be a good time. But let's say that you know about these warlocks and you know what they're up to. Let's say you resist them. Well... That has its own penalties. And if you resist, well, poof, you'll get transformed into something like a seal or a sea lion. So here's a great case of stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. So I, I thought I'd leave you on this episode with one of my favorite quotes from Shakespeare's The Tempest. And uh, this to me, this quote is actually a really great metaphor for what I do artistically. Because what I do is I take found objects, things that had a life of its own, a different sort of experience, a salt and pepper shaker or a bellows or whatever it was, had a different sort of experience. And then I transform it and give it a new life. And, you know, sort of because that's what the sea does. You know, you have a shipwreck and over time you would never even recognize it. The coral would grow over it. The, the sea life would evolve. And, it, and eventually that sunken ship would turn into something totally foreign, totally alien. This is um, Ariel's song, and it goes, Full fathom five, thy father lies. Of his bones are coral made. Those are pearls that were his eyes. Nothing of him that doth fade, but doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange.
That's it for this week's episode, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to pop in again. There's going to be new tales of myth and magic popping up in the future. So uh, tell your friends. That's always helpful. And um, if you're interested, stop by my website, www.michaeldebing.com, and you can see some of the artwork that I create that might relate to what we're talking about. And if you want to delve a little further into the topic, I'll have blog posts that relate to each of these podcasts. So until we meet again... I'll be missing you.